Well, think about this. You know, you're, you're driving a car. It's about a year old, um, and you've taken a loan for this car. It's practically new to you, and um, you come to a stoplight. Car, you look in your rearview mirror, there's a car coming at you smashes your car you get out of it and you're okay and the person behind you had insurance you have insurance so you think everything is okay everything's going to be okay that's whenever the insurance man shows up and he says uh, yep it looks like your car is totaled and so he writes you a check for $28,000. You think, wow, $28,000, this is great. Until you realize that, well, I've taken a loan on this car, and the car that I owe on is about $33,000. And so now I've got a check for $28,000, and I owe $33,000. And so now you're $5,000 in the hole for a car that you no longer can use, and that is no longer any good and so whenever we're talking about borrowing for a car you know those are some things that we need to take into consideration some things that happen on an everyday <coughs> basis of people um, being upside down whenever they get in an accident or something because um, you know the world that we live in is you take loans for for your cars and so the problem is that cars depreciate faster than we can pay them off. And this evening, um, in part of our study, we're going to look at this and think about, you know, the wise way to purchase a car and the difference um, for saving for a car versus borrowing for a car and look at the difference that you have um, in doing so. So last week, at the end of our study, we gave some reasons not to borrow, and we talked about six negatives whenever we borrow. If we don't borrow, then how do we get some of these bigger items like a car? So we're going to look at this subject and dealing with it coming from God's Word. We talked about, you know, starting out this, this class, we talked about stewardship and being wise stewards of all that God had given us. And then we looked at biblical giving and we talked about the different aspects of um, before the law, under the law, and then the time that we're living in, which is after Jesus' death and resurrection and we're no longer under the law. Then we talked about the budget being the foundation for biblical stewardship, for using wisely what God has given to us. And then we talked about what it says there, why make a budget? And we gave three reasons of why we need to make a budget. Number one was so that we know where our money's going. So number one is to know where our money's going. We've got to have a budget so that we know where it's going because if you don't have a budget, a spending plan, a lot of times we just spend and then we wonder where our money went or we look back at where it went. Or many times we just have no idea. We just say, well, I'll just rock on, try to do better, um, all of those things. So we've got to have a budget for that. Number two is wise planning. If we want to be wise stewards of all that God has given us, a budget helps us to wisely plan where we're going to to use our money, use our finances. And then number three is to get control. Because so many people live out of control. They live um, spending about 10% more than they make on an annual basis. And before long, you get yourself in a big mess really fast. And so then we talked about five principles in buying. 
And we said number one is don't buy unless it's in the spending plan. So if it's not in the spending plan, then don't make the purchase. Number two is never buy on the spur of the moment. You know, so many things looks like a good deal. It's on sale. And so, you know, you're pushed into purchasing something in the spur of the moment, something that, you know, <coughs> even tomorrow you may not even want. And you have that buyer's remorse. And sometimes you've opened it, played with it, and now you can't take it back. Number three is never be pressured to buy never be pressured to buy and you know in the world that we live in a lot of times salespeople or those you in the next 30 seconds you've got to buy it um, kind of thing so never be pressured to buy if there's something that's on sale now it'll be on sale at a different time you can still get a good deal number four is buy quality items buy quality items and we talked about this last week you know you don't buy cheap items you buy inexpensive items you buy items that are quality that will last and sometimes it's better to spend a little bit more on something um, so that we have a quality item that will last rather than buying something that is cheap that you have to buy multiple items multiple of the same thing and then number five is don't buy if you don't have the money don't buy it if you don't have the money. Kind of goes back to number one, if it's not on the spending plan, um, you don't buy it, but don't buy it if you don't have the money to pay for it because if, that, if you do that, then you end up borrowing and putting yourself in debt. So then we looked at saving, buying, and banking, and we talked about you know wise principles for buying and reasons not to borrow. But before we think about borrowing, let's think about some information and explain some terms. And there's uh, three terms that we have in here. And number one is credit. What is credit? Buying on a time plan payments. Credit is actually the right to buy. So you have credit. You have good credit. You have a thousand dollars credit on your credit card you have um, you know you got credit at the bank so you can go make a purchase it gives you the right to buy so I can spend that that much money and then number two is borrowing and that has the idea of taking something with the aspect of paying it back and so you're taking an, an item with the idea that you're going to pay it back and we all have the responsibility to pay back if we take something and we borrow it, borrow to get it. And then number three is debt. And you can think of debt in two ways. The first way is it's anything to pay back. So anything to pay back. This is money, property, um, you know, anything that you're obligated to pay back for something that you've taken. But then there's also debt in the idea of you're in debt and that's where the item is worth less than what you owe for it and so you're in debt think about it when there is something that you have you have 
or something that you want to have, there's three options, and we talked about this last week as well. You have three options when you want something. You can, number one, you can buy the option or buy whatever it is because it's in the budget. And so you can purchase that item because it's in the budget and you shouldn't feel guilty for purchasing that item because it's in the budget. Number two is you can wait. You can wait and you can save for that item. Or number three is you can borrow. And that's what most people do. They buy it and they buy it. They borrow to buy it because they don't want to wait. And so, so many people, that's what gets them in trouble. And especially, you know, college students. Um, you know, I remember just going on campus and you have all these places that are wanting to hand out credit cards to college students left and right to get them in debt um, so that they can owe because they're going to come out and they're going to have a good job, a high paying job, and they can pay off all this debt. And so, um, but we don't want to do that. But then we talked about, is it wrong to borrow? And the answer is what? No. Not a Exactly. That's exactly right. It's not a sin, but it's not wise. It's not a sin to borrow. The Bible never tells us that it's wrong to borrow, but the Bible tells us it is unwise. So what makes borrowing negative? And we looked at six aspects that makes borrowing negative. And number one was that it costs more. You're going to pay more for the item. We don't always think about it, but whenever we borrow, we're going to pay more. Why? Because there's interest. And so they don't just give the money away for free. So we talked about last week, you know, one of our examples was a car. And we're going to look at this a little bit more in depth here in just a few minutes. But, um, you know, buying, borrowing for a car. So you take a $30,000 car at 5% interest, which now the interest rate, I think, is even more than that to purchase a car. Right now, I think most of them are around 8% interest um, to purchase a, a car. And so, but at 5%, you're paying $4,000 in interest. So you have a car that's worth today $30,000. The moment you drive it off the lot, it's no longer worth $30,000. It's worth less than that, but you got a $30,000 car that you're going to end up paying $34,000. And what's it doing the entire time? So you're paying more and it's depreciating at the same time. And so um, you can get yourself in trouble really fast. Home, which we'll talk about more next next time. I mean, you take, take a $300,000 home and you get a loan on it for, for 30 years, and you can end up paying somewhere around $800,000 for that home. You're paying $500,000 in, in interest. And so, um, you know, it's just crazy. And the, and the interest rates now are even higher, <laughs> again, than what they were um, at the time we, we wrote this book and everything. So um, things depreciate. You know, and even a house, most of the time it'll appreciate, but it's not going to appreciate. You don't take a $300,000 home that's 30 years down the road, and then now all of a sudden it's worth $800,000. Even though we've had a huge jump 
in the, the price of homes and the price of cars. And some people think, man, it's a great deal because I can go sell my car, you know, and I bought it two years ago for $20,000 and I've driven it for, for two years and put 30,000 miles on it and they're willing to give me $18,000 back for it. But it sounds like a good deal. Yeah, that's great for you, but what do you got to do? You got to go buy another pickup, and how much is that one going to cost you? Well, probably $30,000 for the same type of vehicle. And so yours went up in value, but so did their new ones. And so um, it's not always a great deal. Same thing with homes. Um, but whenever we borrow for anything, the ultimate line, bottom line is it'll cost us more. Here's a fact here that says Christians spend 10 times more to pay interest on debt than they do giving. And so you think about that. How much are you paying in interest on a monthly basis versus what it is that you're giving away? And so if you have very many credit cards, you have, um, you know, automobile debt, things like that, how much are you paying in interest every month versus what you're giving away? You put a home in that, and I think that number seems to be a low number that it's more than 10 times more, but maybe not. Number two is you become a slave to the lender. Every month, you must take your income and pay those debts can't pay the debts, then many times you lose the items. Proverbs 22.7 says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. So we're slave to the lender. You're in debt um, to them, and you owe whenever you borrow for anything. Number three is, it's a sin if we do not repay. So it's not wrong to borrow, but it is wrong to borrow and not pay. Psalm 37, 21 says, The wicked borrows and does not pay back, but the righteous is gracious and gives. And so it's, it's not wrong to borrow, but it is wrong. And if you, if you do that, if you borrow and you don't pay back, then not only... Are you living in sin? But also, I mean, it's a loss of testimony that, you know, you're not a trustworthy person to be able to, to do what you, what you said you would do, which is to pay back. And the next one kind of goes along with that. Number four is you presume on the future. James chapter 4, 13 through 15, you know, um, it says, you know, you're, you say, I'm going to go here to this place and and for a year and I'm going to make a profit and then I'll, then I'll come back. But what is our life? It's like a vapor. And so, you know, it's easy come, easy go. Um, we may not be here next year. And so you're presuming on the future, you know, that you're going to have this same job and that you're going to be making this same income, um, that things in our world are not going to cost more. And so I'm going to have the money to, to purchase these things. Um, but we can't presume on the future. And so we don't know what the future is, so we need to be careful uh, 
whenever we borrow because we're presuming on the future. And I said it last week, the Ron Blue statement, if we believe that being able to afford something means that we can make the payments rather than paying cash, we have misunderstood how dangerous debt really is. And there's so many people, I mean, we had people all the time at Sears, I mean, that's all they cared about. What is the minimum payment? And those people that only care about what the minimum payment is, those are the people that then you add the warranty on and you add this on and then, you know, because it's only just a couple more dollars difference and then, you know, they end up getting deeper and deeper in debt and some of the things are not tangible that they can even get back. And so uh, we have to be really careful about that and not get ourselves into debt. So we must have a guaranteed way to repay. And whenever I think about that too, I mean, some people kind of do crazy things. I mean, I think of people that, you know, have money in the bank. Let's say they have a credit card debt of $30,000 and they have $30,000 in the bank, but they're like, oh, I've got to have that $30,000 because you know, what if something happens? You know, I, I can't use that to pay off my credit card. But on my credit card, I'm paying, you know, 20% interest and I'm, but over here I'm gaining, you know, two to maybe 5% interest, but you're paying over here all of this interest. You know, and so many people, they're just, they're too um, stuck on having that money so that they can, so that they can do something. I mean, if you get in trouble, you you evidently don't mind using a credit card. You got $30,000 in debt on it already. So why not borrow from yourself and then start putting that payment that you're making on your credit card back into savings rather than paying all that interest and paying on, on those things. And I mean, I've talked to several people that have been scared to give up that money to pay on their credit card and they're paying all this interest. It just doesn't make sense. Does it make sense to y'all? Maybe it's something I just don't understand, but it doesn't. But so we've got to have a guaranteed way to pay back. So if you, you know, if you want to go purchase something, you know, and you've got the money in the bank, use the money in the bank. Don't go take a loan for it so that you have this security blanket of what's in the bank. Number five is you deny the opportunity for God to provide. God may be wanting to supply um, in a special way. 2 Corinthians 9, 10, and 11. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. And so God is there. He wants to provide for our needs. And so sometimes if we'll just be patient, take our time in in making a purchase, sometimes God will will provide in ways that um, we didn't even know were possible. And so uh, there's many stories that people have of, of ways that God has provided for them um, over the years because they've been patient 
to do um, and to purchase whenever they didn't have the money. And so saving, waiting and saving sometimes can turn into someone in God being able to bless you through someone else. And then number six, it limits the future. Limits the future. Having payments and debts can limit or even stop you from doing things in the future. And you know, like, I mean, a good example is somebody wants to go to seminary. I mean, most of the time, if you come out of college, you go and spend all this money, and you get yourself in debt, and then you decide, man, I want to go to seminary. Um, you know, most of the time, they will, they will say no because you have all this debt. They don't want you to come in there and uh, get into more debt by going to seminary whenever you already have all this debt. And so you, you know, you can get yourself in, into trouble. And we'll talk about that more here in just a little bit because, you know, many people, whenever they get out of college, what's one of the first things that they want to go and purchase? Got a new, got a new job. I got, I'm going to be making some money, and so I'm going to go buy this new car that costs a pretty penny. And they go in debt because they got this job, and they're going to be able to pay it off and pay for it. So, but it limits our future. Um, the average family, 25% of their spendable income goes to outstanding debt. I mean, that's something to think about. 25% of your income is going to pay outstanding debt. And that's difficult. It reduces your freedom to go and do what it is that you want whenever you have all this debt. And that was one of the things that, you know, was nice whenever we got out of debt because after taking this class because we had a lot of credit card debt. We had car loans and everything. And um, after going through this and just getting rid of all that stuff, man, it's just amazing how much, how freeing it is for your life and how freeing it is um, to be able just to enjoy and go and not say, well, you know, I can't do that because, you know, I just don't have the money and, and uh, I don't want to increase my debt, you know, for sure by going, going somewhere, doing something. And so um, just getting out of that, it just frees you up. So as we continue, we want to look at particular items such as cars, school loans, use of credit cards, and finances of the family. So turn to Psalm 37, 21. I told you earlier to turn to Psalm 37, but 37, Psalm 37, verse 21, it says, The wicked borrows and does not pay back, but the righteous is gracious and gives. So, like we said earlier, borrowing is not a sin, but the Bible almost always says that borrowing is not wise. So, why is borrowing not wise? Well, we looked at several reasons, and the key is that it must be paid back. It goes back to our character and to our word. You know, are we going to pay back what it is that we've borrowed for? And then we looked at Ron Blue gave three common financial mistakes and uh, that we looked at last week as well. Number one is a consumptive lifestyle. 
you know, consumptive lifestyle. We got to have more and more. Just this one more thing is going to make us content. You know, if I just get this, then I'll be happy. If I just get this, and the truth is, there's never enough to make us content. There's never enough to make us happy. Um, it's always the next thing. And so that's one of the common mistakes. Number two is no budget. So you have no plan, you have no goals set, you have nothing in mind, and so you just you just spend, and that's a mistake. And so we need to have a spending plan, we need to have a budget so that we're in control of our finances. And number three is the buying and selling of automobiles. Major purchases usually are done unwisely. We borrow money on items that always decrease in value. But before we look at cars and borrowing on other things, let's think, why do people get into debt? What are some reasons that people get into debt? Lose a job. Lose a job, yeah. Health issues. Health issues. Lifestyle change. Lifestyle change. Stuff like that. Yeah. They're trying to fill a God-shaped hole. Yeah, that is definitely true. And they they think that money and possessions can can fill something and, and satisfy what only God can satisfy. And y'all gave great great answers, but none of them matched what's in the book. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, and, oh, I was going to say, um, buying something that don't really need but you think you need because of like pressure. Yeah. Keeping up with Joneses. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the math is consumption greater than in income. I mean, it's gotta be somehow the yeah. first one is. It definitely is. <laughs> Number one is lack of discipline. So we're not disciplined. You know, we can't say no. And we can't stick to our budget. I've got a budget. It's there. It's in place. I know how much money I have to spend on this thing, that thing. You know, I've got so much money to go out to eat. But, man, this month, you know, friends just keep calling, keep calling, want to go out, want to go out, want to go out. And so I just keep going. We just keep going, keep going. And um, so we just can't say no. And, you know, there are times that we just have to tell people and we, you know, no, I can't. It's not in the budget, um, you know, when we try to live off of a budget. And so we can't do that. And so, so many people just have lack of discipline. And, um, you know, that, that shirt looks really good. And that sweater, I just got to have it. Um, something new that just came out. And so... We've got a lack of discipline. First Timothy 4, 7, 8 tells us that we need to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness. And so being disciplined in the area of godliness means to be disciplined in the way that we spend uh, based off of our budget. Number two is lack of contentment. Lack of contentment. And so contentment has to be learned, and we'll talk about that in our final lesson, Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. You know, Paul says 
He's learned to be content in all situations. Whenever he has little, whenever he has abundance, he's learned to be content. So being content is not natural. That's why we want to go buy, buy, buy um, all of the time. And so contentment has to be learned and we have to have that contentment. Number three is searching for significance. Where should we find our significance? In God. You bet. In Christ. I mean, our significance is that we're in Christ and that we're new creations, that we're a child of God. And we should find our significance in that rather than the horse that's on our shirt, um, rather than the check mark that's on our shoes. Um, you know, those kind of things. And so many people, they find their they find their significance, they find their worth, and or they try to define their worth by those kind of things. The house that I live in, the car that I drive, you know, look at me based off of these things, then I feel, you know, significant. But we should find our significance in, again, how are we going to find our contentment? It's all in Christ. And then number four is faulty thinking. We think the wrong way. You know, easy payments. It's only this much a month. I can afford only this much a month. But we should be thinking, if I can't pay cash, if it's not in the budget, then I don't need to purchase it. So now let's think about cars. We'll look at cars tonight, but before we begin, we must realize the truth that if we borrow, we must repay. And so how can we repay for money that is borrowed? What's some things that we can do if we've borrowed money? How can we pay that back? Get to work. Provide value somehow. Okay. So maybe earned income from another job. So you get an additional job. I'm in debt. I want to get out of debt. So how am I going to get out of debt? You know, maybe picking up an additional job, something else that you can do to gain more income. What's another way? Sell things that you already have. Exactly. So that's another thing that you can do is selling other things that you have um, you know, and that's what you listen to some of these Dave Ramsey things and this person calls in and he says, you know, man, I, I'm in debt and I just keep going in debt every every month. And Dave says, well, what do you own? Well, you know, I've got a nice house. And I've got two cars in the garage and, you know, it's just me and I've got a truck and a boat and, you know, and so you know that's that's about all I've got and he's like you know well then you want to get out of debt go sell the boat sell the extra car you know get rid of some oh no I can't do that you know I got to go to the lake every week and uh, well how much is that costing you in gas well you know I usually go Friday Saturday Sunday so you know it's usually a couple tanks of gas so a couple hundred dollars well, no wonder you're going into debt. So you got to sell some of those things, sell some of the other things that you have to pay off your debt so that you can get in a comfortable place. And once you gain the money back, then maybe you can go purchase some of those things. 
but liquidate some assets, some other things that we have. And then the final way is to sell the borrowed item. So if you owe on something like a car um, or some other bigger thing, you owe on a boat, um, you, know, you owe on different things. I mean, you can sell those items and help get yourself out of debt. Hopefully you can get yourself completely out of that debt. But if it is a car, if it is a boat, if it is an RV or something like that, then you may be upside down even trying to sell that item. And so that's one of the, the big downfalls and one of the things that we'll look at here in just a minute. So when you borrow, you must be able to pay back, and there's several ways that you can get to that point, but um, the key is being able to pay it back. Most people, one of the first items we said just a little bit ago, whenever you get that first job, you come out of college, is people want to go buy a new car, and they usually do what to get that car. They usually don't have money coming out of college. How many people you know, college students do you see with, you know, just cash rolling everywhere. They're usually coming out, rather than rolling in cash, they're rolling in debt because a lot of them have gone into debt to be able to pay for college. And so, but what are they, what's the first thing they do? They go get in more debt by going and purchasing some car that they can't afford. And today, I mean, cars cost so much more. I mean, just a regular average middle class car or whatever's thirty, forty thousand dollars and many vehicles nowadays are over a hundred thousand dollars. And so with that being said, I mean you think about a kid coming out of college, he's probably not even gonna buy that thirty or forty thousand dollars. He's probably up here in this eighty to a hundred thousand dollars because I mean I'm gonna get this good job or I just got this good job and uh, and with the price of automobiles increasing and everything what have they done to make it affordable to regular working-class people exactly extend the terms so you know used to whenever I was growing up got you know my first first car or two I mean man if you got a four-year loan that was that was a long time was yeah and then now what it, what can you get a car loan for how long seven seven years I mean that's kind of a just a regular car loan anymore you just go get it seven years and you think about a car that's seven years old you know and you're like man is that thing still gonna be running is it gonna gonna work and if you're on that payment plan, you're, you're looking at how much you have to pay, and man, I can afford this $500 a month payment, but man, do you want to be driving a seven-year-old car still paying $500 a month for it? It's pretty good in that first year, $500, man, I got this nice car. $500 six years down the road in that sixth to seventh year, and this thing's barely running and things like that and you don't want to be shelling out that same $500 for that car and so um, you just got to be got to think about that and and to be wise so but you know there's not too many of us in here that's getting ready to come right out of college I don't think. 
My company's selling tractors on nine-year plans. Nine years. Yeah. And that's another thing, like recreational vehicles and boats. I mean, you can do those things like homes, 30 years. And, man, and then can you think of having a RV or a boat that's 15 years old and you're paying money on it and that thing probably ain't going to run? Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, so how can we get a car? There's many reasons not to borrow, but realize that when we borrow money for a car, there's three aspects that come into play, and they're the three aspects that we looked at a while ago. Is number one, it's going to cost us more. It's going to cost us more. And we use the example, and we're going to go into a little bit more in depth here in just a minute. But buying a $30,000 car at 5%, you know, a payment of $567 ends up costing you um, $34,000. So you're paying $4,000 in interest. So it's going to cost us more. And it's going to depreciate faster than you can pay it off if you don't put a good chunk of money down on it. Number two is we're obligated to repay. We're obligated to repay. If you say, well, I just can't pay for it anymore, what happens? And they come and load that, load that thing up and, and take it away. They load it up, take it away, they'll take it to auction, auction it off, and you still owe it with balance. Yep. What they got to the auction. And then third is, you must have a guaranteed way to repay. Oh my goodness. And like we said earlier, you know, that car accident. You got a year old car, it's worth less than or it's worth less than what they'll give you for it, and then you're upside down. So if you want to flip back to the back, there's a sheet back there that says buying and borrowing for an automobile. And um, I mean, this is just kind of a wake-up call and kind of a neat thing, I think, to look at as far as borrowing or and uh, paying cash for a car. And uh, so you see there, borrow $30,000 for five years at 5%. Your payment's going to be $567 a month. You're going to end up paying $34,000 for a $30,000 car. But if you save that $567 per month for five years at 5% interest, your total that you're going to come up with is $39,000. So rather than paying $34,000 for a car, you pay $30,000 for a car, and then you got $9,000 left that you can Customize. do something with it um, or continue to put it back towards the next, next car or whatever it is that you want to do. And so it shows the difference there. You borrow thirty thousand; it costs you four thousand. So you're four thousand dollars in the in the red versus saving five hundred and sixty-seven dollars for five years. That gives you nine thousand dollars to the good, 
And so your total difference there is $13,000 that you have. If uh, the difference of buying and selling a $30,000 car, you have $13,000 more. And so that with that $13,000 difference, I mean, you're halfway to the next car already. And so there's a huge difference um, in being able to pay cash for a car. And so the question may be, well, how do I do that? How do I get to that point? And then the way you get to that point is you stay in the car that you're in until you can build up the money to pay cash for the next car. And he says in here, the truth is the cheapest car you, you will drive is the one that you're in. And so the cheapest car you'll drive is your used car. So the one that you're driving now is the cheapest car. So many people sometimes, you know, they, oh, I got this gas guzzler, so I'm going to go buy a new car that's just a car instead of a SUV or instead of a truck, and I'm going to save all this money in gas, but your difference in, in your gas savings is not ever going to be able to pay for the cost of a new car. And so we need to pay the difference to ourselves. We need to save up and be able to pay cash for your car. I'll tell you, it can be done because I've done it and we've paid cash for the last several vehicles that, that we've purchased. But whenever I came in here in 2008, which seems like forever ago, but uh, you know, we, we owed for both of our cars and had credit card debt and everything. And, now we have none and we've been paying cash for for like i said for the last several cars that we purchased and so um, it can be done and uh, you just got to put your mind to it get a budget live on the budget and um, do spend wisely based off of the plan that you have so Back to your book, I don't know if you got the answers to those questions because I kind of went through them from the other sheet. But it says there, I got $30,000 for $34,000, and then I got $39,000 for $34,000. Because you paid that $567 over the course of five years. You paid it to them, they got the interest, or you paid it to yourself, and you got to keep the interest. So the cheapest car you'll drive is the one, is your used car, and so stay in it and get yourself out of debt. And thinking about getting out of debt, how do we get out of debt? And there's two truths there. Number one is, it's harder to get out of debt than it is to get in debt. It's kind of like losing weight. It's a whole lot easier to gain it than it is to, to lose it. Well, this is harder to get out of debt than to get into debt. So let's think about some keys to get out of debt. What are some keys to get out of debt? Number one is you cut your spending. And the best way to cut your spending is to have a budget so that you know 
what you have coming in and you know what you have going out and you make sure that what you have going out is less than what you have coming in. So cut your spending. Look at areas of your life, like we said at the beginning uh, of the, this whole class and everything, is you know what are your priorities? Spend your money on your priorities and get rid of some of those things that are not priorities. Number, or letter B there is add income. Add income. When it's not fun, you know, sometimes we have kids and we want to spend time with them and uh, or we want to be doing things that we enjoy doing. Um, but sometimes, you know, in order to to get ourselves and to get our family in a, in a place that is comfortable for all of us and that takes the pressure off of our lives, sometimes we have to do the hard things and um, look for ways to add income, taking an extra job or doing um, something that we can do. Then C is no new debt. That is a big deal. There's so many times you're working your way out, you know, and then, well, there's just this, this item that I just have to have. And, you know, it's just the newest and the latest and the greatest, and you fall back to where you came from. You know, it's kind of like being on a diet and then Thanksgiving and Christmas come around. Well, I'm just going to indulge, you know, just from Thanksgiving to Christmas and then everything that you did up to that point, you got to start back over <coughs> in January. And so you don't want to fall back into that and, and put yourself back in and add new debt. Then D is be honest. Be honest that there is a problem. That, you know, being in debt is a problem. It's not okay. You know, there's a lot of people who, well, my mom and dad always had car loans. It wasn't any big deal, so it's not a big deal to me. And I don't see it as a problem. But if you get out from under that car loan, you'll see how freeing it is and how much better your life is and uh, by not having to be slave to the lender and being freed up to go and do some things that you weren't able to do because you had a $500, $600, $700 car payment. Then E is, be honest, the total debt. What is your total debt? Make a list of every debt that you have and then start on that, that debt snowball like we've talked about before, like Dave Ramsey talks about and knock out that smallest debt and then move to the next, move to the next, move to the next. See that those debts going away, uh, you know, accomplishing goals and it helps you to feel better accomplishing goals. And, um, and so that's another thing because some people say, well, yeah, I've got debt. You know, I've got these two credit cards that have 5,000 a piece on them, but yeah, you got three others that have 500, 250. Well, let's be honest, let's get all of our debt, you know, be honest with yourself, write it all down, 
and start whacking away at it and get rid of it. And then F is establish a budget. Establish the budget. Get a payment plan to pay off those smallest debts first. Get rid of them. And that has to be a part of the budget. And so it's not like, here's my income, here's what I have to spend, oh, and I have these debts, and I'll figure out how to pay those. That, that has to be a part of your budget, is paying off those debts. And it needs to be an important part. And then G is accountability. Accountability. You got to have someone to help hold you accountable. JB has a story of a guy that uh, came to him, and he was in had a credit card and uh, used it, got himself into into some trouble, and so he gave the credit card to JB so that he couldn't use it anymore. Um, got himself out of debt and then came back to JB and said, all right, I got myself out of debt and I want to get my credit card back. Got his credit card back, went back, started using it again, got himself into trouble again. And so, you know, whenever you get yourself out of there and it's good to have somebody to, to hold you accountable and to make sure that you stay on track because it is easy just to to cheat because, you know, well... I've got, I just want to get this item. I just want to get that item. I know it's not in the budget. Um, it'll just be a small debt on the credit card. It'll just increase my payment by X amount of dollars. Um, and so have somebody to hold you accountable and someone that you can trust, someone that you know, um, and someone that cares and sees the, sees the goals that you have, have ahead of you and helps you to reach those goals. So the results are, you'll be in control of your cash flow. Whenever you get out of debt, you'll be in control of your cash flow. Number two is you'll be free. And like I said, I mean, it's just amazing how much freer you are, how much freer you feel just being out of debt. I mean, not having to be slave to the lender. And then number three is compound interest works for you and not against you. So compound interest works for you and not against you. And so whenever we're out of debt, we can start building um, for the future. We can start building for a new car, for a bigger house, a different house, building for retirement, students to go or children to go um, to college and all of those things. And whenever we have debt lingering over us, we're, we're bound by that debt. So may we get out of debt and stay out of debt. We don't just want to get out. We want to get out and stay out.